The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish feast of Passover was near. When Jesus raised his eyes and saw the large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy enough food for them to eat? He said this to test him, because he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred days' wages worth of food would not be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good are these for so many? Jesus said, Have the people recline. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so the men reclined, about five thousand in number. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to them, them to those who were reclining, and also as much of the fish as they wanted. When they had had their fill, he said to his disciples, Gather the fragments left over, so that nothing will be wasted. So they collected them and filled twelve wicker baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves that had been more than they could eat. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This is truly the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. Since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. The Gospel of the Lord. We celebrate this 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I have a single announcement. Uh, the next week, the next Saturday, uh, will be our parish work day here at St. Agnes. It will be on uh, Saturday morning. Work will begin after the 8 a.m. Mass and go until noon. Uh, there will be outdoor and indoor jobs for all ages and abilities. All equipment and supplies will be furnished. We just need people to join us and to join this community and and celebrating and continuing to maintain the beauty of the campus the Lord has blessed us with thus far. Uh, Lunch will be served afterwards, so if the work's not enough appeal to you, uh, there'll be a little food for you to be able to come join us for that as well. You may know, or you may not know, that in the Sunday cycle of readings, there's a a three-year cycle for the Novus Ordo Mass that we celebrate. Every three years, we read through the same passages. And year A, as we call it, is typically the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Year B is the Gospel of Mark. Year C is the Gospel of Luke. And we know there's a fourth Gospel, John's Gospel, right? Often read in the Easter season, as well as various passages uh, kind of added in uh, occasionally during during Lent uh, or throughout uh, throughout uh, specific dates during the calendar year for the for the other years, but in a particular way during this year, as we're in year B, Saint Mark's Gospel, Saint Mark uh, is half the length of Saint Matthew, Saint Luke, or Saint John's Gospel. So it's it's a, a shorter gospel. So we're blessed in the coming weeks to be able to have a large chunk of reflection and reading from the sixth chapter of Saint John's Gospel. Indeed, one could think of it as a sort of filler. We need to have the space to fill. But if one sees the Blessed Sacrament as filler, you've lost your mind. 
It's an important thing that we have a pause for here. In the midst of this kind of the, the quiet green Sundays of the year, as the, the school year is soon to, to kind of kick back into gear, in the quiet summer days, our Lord invites us to reflect upon the sixth chapter of St. John, wherein we hear about, for the first time, in the fullness from our Lord's lips, the most blessed sacrament, the Eucharist, the flesh and blood of God given to us here every single Mass. It begins with our blessed Lord. Always he's on the move, going place to place. He who has nowhere to lay his head, as he says elsewhere in the Gospels. And many people have begun to cling to him already. They see the signs that he works. And they're able to see there's something different about this man. Not only because of the signs, because also elsewhere, people are are astounded and continue to remark, this man speaks with authority. There's something different about him. And people are compelled to follow him, even at the cost of their own physical health. They leave food behind, shelter behind, many things behind, even just to follow him for a short time, if not as disciples for the long haul. 5,000, it says, at least, have gathered around our blessed Lord. And they've been following and following. And they're out in the wilderness, essentially. And they have no more food. There's one little boy. How the boy get loaves and fish, we don't know. How is it that none of the adults came prepared, but the little boy did? It's a different discussion for one in the reflection on the gospel. And I'm sure there's a wonderful theological argument I haven't even discovered yet as to the purpose and the reasoning behind it. But one young man has loaves and fish. It's an interesting thing that our Lord starts, though, with questions about where can we buy enough food for these people? He turns first to Philip. Philip, from whom, who was from, basically, Philip was kind of from the area. So if there was one of the apostles who knew where to buy food, where there might be a place to buy food, where there might be people generous enough to be able to donate some food, where might some good benefactors be to be able to tap on to say, hey, we would like to, we would like to, you know, we would like some, some wages, basically. We would like some, some money given to us so we can go purchase food. Philip was the likely candidate. He was the one who, of course, would have known people and places in the area. And so our Lord turns to him. Him and has him, offers him a little test, a pop quiz, if you will. Philip, where can we buy enough food for all these people? It's a natural thing of our heart not to want to upset Jesus, right? It's a good sentiment not to want to upset our Lord. And you can imagine the wrestling within Philip's heart of wanting to try to find a way to make it work. Our Lord is asking, where, Philip, you're my man, Philip. It's your time to shine. Where can we get it all? Where can we buy all it all? And Philip ultimately knows that he can't. Lord, there's no way we can do that. There's no way we can buy enough for all these people, even if we had, a, even if we had 200 days wages. I mean, you know, two-thirds of the year of worth of salary, it would be a, just an appetizer for the folks who were there that day. There's no way we can do that. There's no way that can be bought. Philip, although possibly discouraged or disheartened, gives the right answer. 
There's no way it can be bought, but it can be given. And this is what our Lord has in store, to give, to satisfy the hearts that are before him, to fill their stomachs so they might continue to seek after him. In our own life, in our own world, there are various times we essentially try to fill our own stomachs, to try to provide things for ourselves, much as Philip was essentially tasked with. Every one of us has a a, a place within us, an infinite longing that can never be satisfied except by an infinite thing, an infinite person, God himself. Every one of us longs for him. And sometimes we try to fill the hole within our soul with something that is not infinite. We fill it with finite things. Sometimes they are good things, holy things even. Sometimes we feel as if that longing within our heart can be satisfied by simply doing the right things of our faith. If I find the right retreat, if I read the right book, if I say the right prayers, if I get the right novena, if I do it just right, then I'll be filled. A sort of using of the things of our faith, using our Lord in a sense even, or at least the, 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 the attempt at communion with him to try to satisfy our hearts rather than to seek him in the end. Sometimes in the world we seek much less noble things, wicked things. How easy it is to be able to find within our world a desire to fill our heart with political ideologies and even the things of the love of the flesh. To be able to fill up oneself, to satisfy that that ache within the soul with food, with drink, with sex, with gambling, with any number of things that satisfy for a moment, but in the end, go away and leave one empty and more empty, in fact, than before. And even if not on either extreme, sometimes it's just ordinary things. If I do a bit more work, just just five more minutes, just one more thing, right? How easily we can allow so much of the stuff that fills our life to become the things we think that if we will simply do this, then I will be able to rest. Then I will have some peace. And in all of this, the Lord invites us to reflect upon the response of Philip. There is nothing we can buy that will satisfy. Also, there is nothing we can do, nothing we can do to satisfy. It is Christ and Christ alone who comes to fill our souls. And it is he and he alone to satisfy us. He comes to this great people and he gives them bread and he gives them fish. Already he is preparing their hearts and as we'll hear in the weeks ahead, preparing them for the words that will be given to them. Those difficult words that are challenging. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood scandalous things to say from the lips of our Lord. And yet they are the words of life. They are the source of life. They point us to the gift of life. Is this that we desire most? To be filled in Him. Not simply so that we might be able to have peace for our soul, 
but in the end that we might be able to be in union with him, to be filled with him, satisfied to the full, not in our flesh, but in our soul. It's important to note that John highlights the fact that all of this takes place as the feast, the Jewish feast of Passover was near. Passover. That great reminder to us of old, the first Passover, the, fa- the first time where the angel of death passed over the homes of those that were marked with the blood of the lambs that had been slain, the blood of the lambs that had been consumed after they had been offered and sacrificed by the Jewish people. They had partaken of the Passover. They had partaken of the lamb. And thus, they were given life. And in the days ahead, they were given manna to survive in the desert before the Lord would ultimately bring them to the promised land. Every year they were told to remember the Passover, to to live it forth again, to dress as if they were going at it for the first time. To remember the things the Lord has done. To remember the goodness of the Lord in providing for his people. It is at this time that our Lord is preparing their hearts, speaking to them about the Eucharist. Later on, we will understand that it is also at the feast of Passover that our Lord gives the Eucharist. In the midst of the Passover supper itself, where after feasting upon a lamb, it seems, then our Lord turns and gives them the true lamb himself, his own flesh and his own blood, the true lamb slain for them the true lamb slain for us. As we come and offer this holy mass, we rejoice at the gift of the words of St. John that will be spoken to us in the days and the weeks ahead. To be able to listen to those words of encouragement, those words of exhortation, the words that point us to the fullness of life. If you would have ears to hear, hear the words that John speaks. Hear the words our Lord speaks the gift of eternal life that awaits, the goodness that satisfies the soul.